guys, Mike Garrison here at LiveRC.com. You are listening to episode number 187 of the Radio Impound Podcast. I'm happy to be in the studio with Scotty Jr. and the one and only Jason Rock. Yeah. What's up, Mike? Hey, hey. That was great, it's Mike. I think it's been uh, almost a year. It seems way longer. Yeah, I've been missing you for too long. It does seem like a while. <laughs> we dragged Mike back against his will. That's right. Well, I did chains. not want to be here. <laughs> yeah, Mike doesn't want to be here at all. <laughs> I don't blame you, Mike. But look, the silly season's going on, and you're writing all these articles talking about it. We said, what better guy to have on the show than Mike Garrison to talk about it? It's silly, man. Silly. <laughs> <laughs> silly. What's silly about it? Everything. Hmm. You name it. Yeah, that's how I see it. Silly means there's just a lot of nonsense, chaos. Like, Chahos. Like, I, I see, like, like I picture that silly string stuff that people, <laughs> like, used to, you push the button and the string comes out everywhere. Yeah, yeah. That's what but I they have like six of those cans and they're spraying them all at once. Yeah, I got I got in trouble. I was working at my uncle's hardware store when I was a teenager, and he had silly string in stock. Believe it or not, because we had these goofy things at the counter, and me and my cousin would spray that shit all over the place on us when he was gone. You know, we'd be like ambushing each other and stuff, and uh, we got busted because the girl that worked there ratted on us because my uncle found mm. the my uncle found the cans like you know, stashed in the shelvings and stuff and uh, the empty cans, and he flipped out, and he's like, who did this? And this girl said, you know, right over there. He did. I'm like, what? Girl. You, you rat. Yeah, I know. Girls you are fun dirty fun. rat. You can't trust them, Mike. My wife's sitting next to me in the car right now. Oh, She's that's right. Yeah, okay, well, sorry. Well, I'm, what getting, you, I'm you, getting punched in the face as soon as I hang up. <laughs> I have a feeling you're going to get punched in the face regardless. But, yeah. Well, maybe. No, <laughs> Oh, wow. But anyway, there's my little story about Silly String. Well, anyway, that's what I uh, that's what I visualize when I see Silly Season. Yeah. So I would say I wasn't around, don't get me wrong, in, in RC world, like in the 90s. Mm-hmm. But from the time that I kind of got into it, kind of dabbled in it in like early 04, 05, and then I started getting into it heavier after that. But since I've been in, I would say this is probably the most, I don't know if exciting is the right word, but the most odd and unexpected silly season so far, in my opinion. I would agree. I think, and I, I, I think don't know it's the biggest. Exactly. I think it's the biggest one we've had so far. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's not so much like... The people that are moving or, like, the number of people that are moving around, it's the kind of, with all due respect, off-the-wall companies that you're like, what? Why did they go there? Yeah. That's what I think is, like, what's the most shocking part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I, I think that's a pretty good, you know, analysis there of, you know, kind of this season. I mean, to me, I... I had somebody talk to me the other day about it also, and they were, and I said, yeah, I think it's the biggest, um, the most radical 
off season we've had ever um, that I can remember. And like you said, uh, big big moves, but also very different moves. And I think that's what's really kind of making it uh, interesting. And uh, you know, it's kind of the first one I can remember where it's like you can say like the winners and the losers of silly season type of thing. You know, like when in pro sports, when they trade a player and they say who was the winner and loser of this trade, um, there's a lot of that. Yes, I would agree 110%. I also think it's weird, not weird, but yeah, weird. I'm going to say weird that none of what I would consider the major, the like the four or five major brands are really have really signed anybody like I, I mean there's a few here and there but it's like s work signs cavalry uh agama signs lutz techno signs tebow so i think it's a big year for like the up-and-coming companies more so than the already established major manufacturers yeah and and i think the reason for that is is um <clears throat> there's some people that have a name um, and they're wanting to cut costs, and then there's people that don't have, don't quite have that name, and they're looking to establish and get more uh, notoriety uh, for their brand. And I think that's explains the direction. Um, it explains the Cavalry moves, and um, the one that really just seems to kind of be swinging, swinging a miss is uh, TLR. Um, they, to me, they're, they're getting a lot of great regional talent. You know, just looking at a list here of like, you know, um, Chile kind of broke down for us, which was, um, Tom Rinnerneck, Michael Twilling, um, you know, they got, they're getting some good regional talent and Tom is sort of on the verge of being a national talent, I guess you could say, um, but they're not they're not uh, they're not getting that big that big hit. They're not getting that Cavalry, that Rivkin, that Mayfield, um, uh, you know, Lutz, Tebow. None of those guys are going. Um, you know, they're they're not going to TLR. No, and I was trying to think. Really, TLR last year, they had Jr. and Dakota. And as far as U.S. drivers, that was kind of it for their, like, factory team, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, without thinking too far into it, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of it. You know, I, I know Tanner Denny made a big run with them. Uh, he kind of gets, uh, I guess you could say, the benefit of them not having – another guy to send to a race and they kind of send him because they don't have another guy. Um, you know, like at the worlds, they had Dakota, which was the top dog. Then Reno, then Tanner were kind of their three guys with the new car trying to get something done. And then, um, you know, Reno was the guy that ended up beating all of them. And, but Tanner was there in my opinion, uh, I mean, he's a great driver. He's fast, but there's other people that I think could have beaten him, but they didn't have a, a TLR deal, right? Sure. 
That so, and, and there, it is a little bit, um, and I think right now what people don't like is, you know, if I had to put myself in that position, um, they just don't have a new four-wheel drive electric buggy. And I think that's one of the things that people are a little apprehensive about is if you're, if you have multiple companies to choose from, which some of these guys do, they're picking what they think is best for them. And, and they, I think they know the two wheel drive is solid. They keep updating it. It's really good right now. The five Oh, um, but the four wheel, um, no matter what they do with that thing, we've talked about this before. I've talked about it with Frank root. Yeah, no, no matter what they do with it, uh, people don't like it. And for whatever reason, and I think that might be some of the apprehension. And then the 8 scale, the 8X got a, off to what I would consider a little bit of a rough start. Um, yes. So those two things aren't doing them uh, any justice. And... But, you know, if I was a racer, uh, like a Cavalry, uh, I, I would have seriously considered TLR because I f- feel that some of those things are going to happen quickly down the road. But I, I think also these guys aren't following Dakota in the door. Um, you think about how many people followed Mayfield into the Yokomo thing, and you look at how many people really – they're not following Dakota into the TLR thing. So it kind of says it kind of says a little bit about the drawing power of some of these drivers and who they're able to kind of help recruit in a sense. The it's funny that you mentioned the Yokomo thing because with the help of um, Tim Wallace, I want to work on or I'm trying to work on putting together a kind of a flashback Friday of before Yokomo was cool. Like, it seemed like overnight, Yokomo just became, like, the team, the car. You know, Makeup goes and wins the world with both two-wheel and four-wheel, and it's like, where did all that come from? I would venture to say that there are some people that think that Yokomo is a new brand, and it's not <laughs> by any means. Yeah. But Mayfield made it cool. So now Mayfield kind of made it a new brand. <clears throat> that's very true um and you know uh, we've talked about this on the show before and i know when he obviously we're pretty close in terms of his decisions and things and um i think the yokomo one was he was a little unsure about when he first started i mean i remember going to uh, ocrc with him and uh when he was gonna he tried the cars for the first time this was the two-wheel and then the four-wheel drive was the belt car at the time And, uh, you know, and we had to run at like two in the morning because so nobody was there. Um, So it was me, Mayfield and Jake there at like two in the morning and Ryan's running these Yokomo cars. And and it was like, you know, we ran the two wheel. We're like, all right, you know, looks pretty good. And Mayfield driving it and he was running the four wheel. And we're like, well, you know, I guess, (laughs) you know, and. I guess he can make make this work and um 
and that was the four wheel with you know the belts and and that type of thing. So then he ran the re- you know he signed with them. He was a little unsure, I think, about how that was going to go. Um, and of, of course he was you know with Mugen cars for eight scale. He was like, oh you know that's to him that was like the top of the line, and he wasn't not worried about that. And uh, the Yokomo cars he was concerned about, I think, and. Then he ran the Reedy race, and he was in contention to win. And uh, even with the four wheel with the belts, and and he had a he broke once, and then in, uh, he was in the contention all the way down to the last race, and an E clip came off of his shock shaft, and in the last two wheel race, and Cav ended up winning it, and he got second, I think, and and it was like I think after that race, he just told him, yeah, two wheels okay, need to fix the shock shafts, and but I don't like the four wheel, we need a new four wheel. So they made a new four-wheel for him, fixed the shock shafts, and then he wins both classes at the Worlds. And it's like, oh, all right, well, that worked out pretty well. And, I uh, wish I had that kind of power. Yeah. Um, My car's not working. Can you make me a new one? <laughs> and that's what happened. I mean, he just he just told me, said, yeah, I don't think this thing works for you. We need a new car. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and... Um, and you know it, and he backed it up. That's the part that you know. He's like, not only did I tell you that I didn't like it, but when you made me a new one, I won the worlds. So worked out pretty well. Um, but now, what's kind of nice about it? We've talked about it before. Is he's he's able to run the the Yokomo stuff, and then when he switches over to run eight scale and run Mugen. They can work on the 10 scale cars while he's not racing them, and the development kind of doesn't stop. So they kind of make things keep going. You know, he'll run a race and do the, just like he did at the Reedy race. All right, this shock shaft's not going to work. <laughs> you know, and whatever the, whatever the shock shaft of the day uh, or the weekend is, he tells them, and he comes back to the next race, and, you know, Shin's like, okay, new parts, fixed it. And um, he's like, well, okay, cool. You know, and he might have been out running eight scale. He comes back and they got a update. So he's been pretty happy about that. And um, so I think a little apprehension, like we started, he started the whole thing saying he was a little unsure. And then it's really ended up being, uh, you know, very well received. So, uh And I think that explains a little bit of that run that you talked about, you know, making it a little cool. And he got into it maybe with that same apprehension that you're talking about. And um, he kind of got in there and um, (laughs) I don't know, I kind of see it like the bowl in the china cabinet. You know, you go in and knock some dishes down and oh, this isn't going to work. And, you know, then pretty soon they fix some things and it's like okay and uh people i think took note and you know they want to get on with uh the other you know on the team and it's been going pretty well from that standpoint now is is yokomo still distributed by a main yes okay so everything yokomo comes through a main uh, as far as I know, yes. Okay, I wasn't I wasn't 100 percent sure because actually somebody asked me the other day, like, 
is there a Yokomo USA? And I said, well, there is for a team-wise, but I wasn't honestly sure on, like, another team that I don't know anything about as far as, like, how you get their stuff is on the on-road side of things, like, Infinity. Like, they've been doing really well in on-road, <laughs> but I don't know in the U.S. where you get anything from them. Hey, I have no idea. Um, I have no idea where to get it. Um, I've um, I've looked around. Uh, like you said, I don't know. I'm going well, to I Google. They have a really cool, like, like a fuel stick thing. Kind of like the Proline fuel stick, but mm-hmm. it's like a, I don't know, it looks a little different. It's got carbon fiber handles. And that kind of, anyway, I wanted to get one, so I was looking around for it, and I have no idea where to buy it. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, okay, this is a whole nother, uh, not really a whole nother conversation. It's on the same thing. But there is uh, a little bit of a trend, I guess you could say, of there's a difference between being a race company that's trying to win races and sell product to support your race team and make a profit right to have a company um there's those companies in rc and race teams and then you have ones that they're not really concerned about at least from the outside looking in they're not concerned about making a profit or if it's a like a good business model or if it's profitable they're just like i like this i have the money i'm going to put money into it and we're going to win and I'm going to be happy, and that's it's like part of the hobby for them. And that's kind of my impression of Infinity is, you know, they're in the business. Sure, they like to sell stuff, but from what I understand, money isn't really an issue for them. And um, and that's a big difference because you have, uh, you know, you have companies who are trying to sell uh, what they market and advertise to. You know, to employ people and and all that type of stuff. And then you have people that are just like, no, this is fun for me. I have the money to do it. Uh, I'm going to go out and get a bunch of drivers. We're going to race. And if we win, that makes it fun for me. And um, and that's all that's important. Hmm. So there's a little bit of that going on in RC. And it's it's so if you see a lot of people piling into Infinity, that's probably the reason (laughs) um these guys aren't running it because uh it's good you know it's it's uh it's been monetarily rewarding for them to run it so uh, or if they want to maintain a career in rc that's where they have to go to do it i was actually surprised more drivers didn't go to infinity over this the off season Mm-hmm. than the very few that did. Like, I really I really expected guys like, um, let's say Cavalier or Lutz or some of, the, some of those drivers to join Lee Martin. And I just, I, I expected some big names to be going that way, but nothing really surprised me in that front. Yeah, I think part of that is most of those guys that we're referring to are, are in our circle, I guess you could say, they're mostly off-road drivers, and I think Infinity kind of got off the ground a little with Lee Martin with an Infinity, but I don't think that that has gone anywhere for them. 
and it hasn't transformed into a car. Like even um, Nayato, you know, Nayato is a big Infinity driver, maybe the top one uh, besides Mark. And, uh, you know, he was running the Worlds in 8-scale Nitro Buggy, but, you know, he's got big Infinity stickers on the car, but the car, nothing is Infinity except sure. maybe maybe the fuel gun, like you said. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and then you have, um, you know, there's a couple guys that are, are racing like that, and Lee Martin was one of them. But recently Lee Martin started running a, uh, a Gama car under the Nemo brand in the UK. So I'm not sure if the Infinity thing's over for him. That's what it kind of looks like to me. So he might be Yokomo Agama now. Um, which is, you know, like you said, it's what kind of one of those odd combinations that are popping up. Yes, one of very many. And th- what that is all about is there's only a couple manufacturers out there that can supply an off-road driver with every vehicle. So when you think about it, you know, Associates one, TLR is one. Um, what's Kyosho? Kyosho's one, X-Ray, right? Does that four? Um, and so guys like Cavalry or Mayfield or Spencer or whoever we want to talk about, Jared, um, they have to find a, a player that has all those vehicles because it can justify the pay that they're looking for from that company. Um, so in Cavallari's case, he wanted to go down the, the Yokomo road. So he needed to find a, a, a suitable eight scale partner, uh, that was okay with him splitting up his program like that. You know, similar to Mayfield went the Yokomo Mugen route. Um, Cavallari went the, you know, Yokomo S works route because that was a company that didn't mind splitting up with them and, uh, you know, he couldn't get like an associated part deal. You know, he couldn't get a TLR part deal. You know, they, all these these other companies aren't willing to do that. So it really kind of it limited his choices quite a bit. Uh, you know, it was kind of down to like Serpent and S Works and companies that were okay with splitting up like that. Uh, so, uh, and that's explaining some of these moves is because of you know, it it was a shared cost, and then, you know, Cavallari can come up with a salary he's accustomed to, but now he's got a – it's two different split between two brands. I'd be curious to know who the highest paid RC driver on the planet is and what their salary is. <laughs> um, I mean, I know – all of the the guys that I'm close with, um, who I don't know is guys like Bruno, uh, Mark Reinhardt, um, those kind of guys I'm not really familiar with, but I would venture to say, if I had to guess, that um, between the Ryans and Spencer, um, I would say they're three of the five top paid guys in the business. Uh, 
and you see a lot more of these guys too. Like they're still paid drivers, but they're also working for these companies. But those guys, though, to the best of my knowledge, are just literally paid racers. Yeah. Like, like Drake, for instance, is an employee of Mugen, but mm-hmm. he's also a racer. Whereas yeah. those guys are just strictly paid for racing. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what I was thinking, you know, along the lines of your question. But I would say they're three of the five. Um, if somebody's doing better than them, um, they they must be bringing something extremely valuable to the table. Uh, you know, like I said, I don't know Bruno's situation. I can't imagine. I mean, I mean, he kind of burst onto the scene. You know, it took some of these other guys. You know, it's taken Mayfield and Cavallari uh, since, you know, 2004 or five to get to the point to where they are. You know, Bruno kind of just came out in like, what, 14, 2014 or something. So, um, but I wouldn't be surprised he would be one of the guys. And then Ty Tessman, um, I would say he's right there. Um, I mean, honestly, when you look at, know i don't i'm the ones i'm not familiar with like mark reiner these guys but i would still say the other guys are probably and it's because they can race so many cars um you know you can basically put six or seven different vehicles in the hands of the cavalry and mayfield and these guys and they they're running for a podium and uh and they're gonna get their fair share of wins uh throughout the year and and I think you know you have some specialists out there. We'll call like I know Robert Battles. He's probably one of the best, if not the best, eight scale driver um, of all time. But but he only races that class. So and you know if these other guys can race six or seven classes and he's running basically one or two, um, you can kind of see the big difference. See, I've done the opposite. I've I've tried every other class, no demand, just looking for a podium, just one podium. That's all I want, just one. So I've tried all the classes, but I'm still I'm still looking for that one class that I can find that podium. Yeah, I just wrote down sort of the eight steps the other day, the eight steps um, that people can cycle through in RC, and I think it was eight, and. <laughs> kind of along those lines you get into something then you take it more serious and then you get over the top and <laughs> I'll, I'll find it we'll go over it uh, so anyway um, yeah interesting for sure um, but I think that kind of explains the some of the cavalry stuff um uh, and you know he's out racing this weekend. They're doing CRC. It's his first first race with the Yokomo. And yeah, yeah, I think he'll I think he'll be fine. He'll do pretty well. The S works is a little a bit of an unknown. Um, a little bit of an unknown, but I mean Yorn and a few other guys did pretty well with the S works stuff at the Worlds, and I, I feel like if they kind of get with Yorn, get the car up to what he's kind of learned. I think Cavalieri will be fairly close to turning in the exact same results as he had previously. 
but he's going to have to do a little work. He's going to need to get out, get it running, talk to Yorn, get up to speed, and, and then and I think he'll be close. Yeah, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I He's a great eight-scale driver, but when I hear the name Ryan Calloway, I don't think of eight-scale. I think it's 10-scale. Yeah. So I would imagine, again, from an outsider point of view, I feel like that's more of his primary focus um, over eight scale. That's just what it seems like over the years. So um, I think if he's happy with Yokomo, he'll make S works work no matter what. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't know if it cut out. Did I miss something there? Still there? Hello. Okay, I'm here. Gotti, are you with us? <laughs> Let's see where he went. He's gone. That's kind of strange, huh? <laughs> Let's see if he texts me. Well, we can keep talking. Sure. Where were we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Are you at CRCRC? CRCRC? No, no. Uh, Thomas is there for us. Okay. So he's uh, he's there. We got got a good turnout there. Three hundred and eighty entries, right under four hundred, I think. That seems to be kind of a just under four hundred is like seems to be like a magic number for most races. It's like that's a good number to have a solid crowd, but yet it's not so many that you're there for sixteen hours a day. But yet it's still a good race program. I just I, it seems to me like the races that are four hundred and under seem to be run smooth, everybody's pretty happy and it all goes well. You get much over that and you get into like the thousand entry races and it's like you're there forever and ever and ever. Yeah, it's when you get over four hundred, it's it's pretty amazing. Uh how long it can take to, to finish a, a complete day off. And I've noticed more and more races around here, like regional or local races, I guess you'd say, are instead of doing a three-day format for, you know, practice Friday, qualifying Saturday, mains on Sunday, more of the races are doing like a re-race format, and they're condensing everything into like Saturday practice, Sunday racing, and mm-hmm. their turnouts are going way up. And I don't necessarily think it's because of just the heads up racing. I think it's because they don't have to spend so long at the track and they don't have to spend so much time off work traveling and that kind of thing. And, um, I don't know, like the re-race format isn't something new, so I don't know why just all of a sudden it's come on. But, um, what races that used to be like two and three days long are one and two day races and entries are going way up. Yeah, I mean, on our, our series, the Indoor National Series, we stick with, uh, you know, we're sticking with, you know, we do Saturday and Sunday as our race program. Uh, but like you said, yeah, a Saturday practice, a Sunday race, if you can, you know, um, fit them in, go for it, right? Yeah, and it also, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like dirt and carpet. When somebody, when more tracks start throwing in re-race style heads up racing, it's, kind of a whole nother ball game like it's just something different and unique so i don't know that one's really any better everybody's always obviously used to like the ifmar style so that's probably what i expect most of your bigger races to be but it's kind of cool to go to some of these races that 
are a little off the wall and they do like a heads up and it's, it's new like the carpet was a few years ago and so I think we'll see it start catching on a little more. We'll kind of get into some of the questions here. Um, this is obviously a good one. We've touched on it a little bit. We'll let you kind of give your take on uh, on some of these guys. But Chili is just saying for 2019, it seems like Associated Reedy has taken a step back as they have lost or elected not to re-sign many of their key pro and regional drivers. And he kind of lists them out. Uh, and he says... Uh, Many of these drivers now running for TLR or Yokomo, plus various other electronic companies. Do you feel that this is due to the AE Reedy having to trim their race budget? Um, stronger competition from companies like TLR or Yokomo, or maybe racers just trying to maximize their earnings. So any he, he's listing Cavalry, Rivkin, talking about Reedy Electronics, uh, Randy Caster, Shane Borden, Matthew Gonzalez, Kevin E. Bear, Tom Rinnerneck. Michael Twilling and uh, it's Mike. Uh, Ke- he's got Kevin McBride, but um, why can't I remember his first name right now? Kyle. Kyle McBride. That's why. Okay, Kyle McBride. His dad's Scott McBride, I think. So, what what do you feel? Is, uh, you know, we've talked to this a little bit already. We've hit, kind of went around, but we'll try to get. His direct question, what do you feel is going on there? Um, my opinion is, I, it's, it's kind of like along what you were saying, is I think on a regional standpoint, I think some of these companies, say such as Yokomo or TLR, they're trying to build their regional um, presence, which I know like around here, for instance, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of TLR guys, but now there's going to be a lot of them. So I think a lot of the regional guys, Perhaps, I don't know for certain, but perhaps we're able to potentially up their sponsorship or we're offered a little better deal or a little better package um, than maybe Associated was was giving them or, mm-hmm. or willing to give them. Because Associated already has, I mean, at, at our local tracks, Associated is, I'm going to say, probably the most dominant brand. And so they already have that name. So I think they're kind of like, well, you know, hey, we don't need to, pony up more for this guy he hasn't really done any more than you know whatever but some of these other companies like Yokomo and TLR and stuff they're trying to get their name into these tracks and these local tracks and stuff and I've seen you know like like Jared races at our local track so obviously that's going to help techno locally but he doesn't race as much as you know some of the local fast guys and I've noticed that a lot of local racers follow the local fast guys almost sometimes more than they do the pro guys because they know them on a more personal level. Mm-hmm. So I think TLR and Yokomo see, hey, if we can snatch up guys like Michael Twilling and maybe we offer him a little more than, you know, maybe he's actually worth or, or I, don't, I don't know if that's the right way to word it, but offering more than we should or we would normally offer somebody in his shoes, um, you know, he's going to get his group of, of core races that follow him and kind of look up to him and that kind of thing, they're all going to switch to TLR. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big part of it on the regional level. And I think on the pro level, as far as, um, you know, guys like Cavalry and, and like Rinderneck, for instance, I would imagine um, that's another one. Tom is, like you mentioned, he's kind of on that verge of being a, you know, a national level pro and then a regional pro. And I think that 
again, Associated didn't see, they didn't need Tom, I guess, is, is, is as much as TLR feels they need Tom to grow yeah. their, their brand and their image. Because Tom has a huge following across Iowa and, you know, Nebraska and that kind of thing. And, um, well, even when he came down to, to our track and was just hanging out, you know, he's helping people, he's setting up cars. He, Brittany got a new B6. And, uh, you know, he was over there and he's changing shock oil for her and telling her, why not do this, do that, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And whether it was work for her or not, just having that interaction, it was like, man, this B6 is great. I'm, you know, I'm going to stick with this associated car. And mm-hmm. now he's going to have that following with, with TLR. So, um, and I think the other thing that we're seeing with the regional guys, I don't know how exactly the associated and the Reedy thing work. Um, but I, I know from my experience with like the TLR guys and horizon, when you're sponsored by horizon hobby, you're LinkedIn, you've got a car, you've got access to spectrum radio, spectrum servos. Now they've got their chargers. Um, I don't know if they've got any competition batteries yet, but you've got kind of everything all in one package. Uh, a lot, a lot of things are covered with just that one sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, like for Jared, when he goes to techno or, or even if you go to associate, you got to, you know, your, your radio is an outside sponsor, your battery is another sponsor and that kind of thing. So I think that's a big plus for a lot of these guys as well. Yeah. <clears throat> and you know, that's kind of where associated was at with, with Reedy is when you race for them, like you said, you have access to, uh, many of those different items and uh to me that that is a big thing with tlr too you have a lot of access to those different items and um it's definitely a positive for the driver yeah and i definitely don't think i mean maybe they are cutting back their budget a little i mean i think everybody's probably cutting it back some here and there but i don't think it's a bad sign by any means for associated like i don't think they're in trouble or um, I just think their, their strategy going into this year and their, their race team plans is just a different thought process and they're in a different place than TLR and guys like Yokomo. So I don't think it's necessarily a sign of anything good or bad. I think it's just a difference in how the, how the companies are operating. Yeah. I mean, um, some people are, when you're looking to improve, uh, you're a little more eager with some of these guys, I think, is what you pointed out. And, you know, yeah. certainly a lot of these guys kind of fall in into that range. And uh, when you're associated and maybe you are, you know, and, and us at J Concepts, we're in a very similar situation. Uh, but, um, you know, but we're kind of talking about the chassis here. But, you know, we're in a similar situation. But, you know, here you know, Associate has had all this, you know, they have a lot of this racing talent spread out across the U.S., and people are kind of, you know, they're picking off some of these guys, right? And they come in and offer them something, like you said, maybe a little bit, um, a little a little better than what he'd had before, and, and, and uh, they're jumping on it. Yeah. So... We got uh, got Pete Phillips is asking when a driver goes to to a sponsor that doesn't have an entry in a class, does the driver usually get to pick what brands they use for those classes? So essentially, he's saying like Jared's running the B6 
0.1 with his two-wheel because Techno doesn't have a car. Do you have any experience there, Mike, with, um, you know, running a certain brand, and then since they don't have another, you can kind of choose what you want? Sure. Uh, so, obviously, by no means am I anywhere near the level of, of gear, but I run for Techno as well. And basically, I'm assuming my understanding is you're free to run, you know, whatever you want to run. Um, and until most of the companies that I've found, most of the companies, if they don't have an entry in that class, they don't really care other than I know I've heard some guys saying, you know, when, when TLR didn't have their four wheel out, you weren't allowed to run, you know, that they're a direct competitor that has all the other cars. For instance, associate, if you were a TLR guy, and there was no low C four wheel. They didn't really want you on a B forty four, but you could run something, you know, kind of oddball or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of hearsay. I don't know that for a fact. Um, I wasn't, you know, really in the loop on that during that time. Um, but I do know from what I've talked to guys like Tyler Hooks, for instance. Um, you know, Tyler was finished second at the at the Roar Nats last year in the stock class, driving a B six and. Obviously, he's not sponsored by Associated, um, mm-hmm. but they want their car to do good. So I would imagine a lot of these guys, even though it's free reign, and I don't think they're going to, you know, they're obviously not going to list Associated as a sponsor, but I would imagine if Jared went up to, you know, Brent or somebody like that, they're going to offer him some guidance and some help as they would their sponsored drivers because they want their car to succeed no matter who's driving it. I mean, obviously, they want their team drivers to do the best but they're going to want the car to succeed. So what I found is they're free to run whatever car they want, but that doesn't mean they're just left in the dark either. I think, you know, the teams work together. I know some teams also, not all, but some teams will also, um, because they just want your name on the track, you know, will buy you. If you, if they don't make a two wheel, they'll buy you a two wheel or you pick one and they'll pay for it. You know, that kind of thing. I've heard of that along lines too. So um, I think most of them for the most part, yeah, it's, it's, if they don't have an uh, entry in the class, pick what you want. And there's a few that I know if they don't have an entry, they're like, no, you don't need to run that class. <laughs> so not very many, but I, I've ran into a few. So we got Joe Zaire. Is that how you say his name? See? Yeah. Joe Zaire. Okay. How much longer do you think there will be paid racers? It seems like manufacturers are tightening up their wallets when it comes to paid drivers. So, you know, if you, if you want to uh, – Give your take. I can give my take afterwards. That's a good question. Um, I think I think the question to, that you would have to answer to answer that question, in my opinion, is um, how do I want to word it? I guess as long as the hobby continues to grow and we bring racers in and not just bashers, Mm-hmm. Um, I think if, if we can continue growing the racing side of things, there will always be paid professional racers. But when we start seeing the racing side of things start dying off more and more and more, you know, bashing and just general RC start picking up more than the racing side, that's when you're going to start seeing racers cut back. And again, I still don't know that you're ever going to see, um, you know, not paid pros, but I think you may see more guys having to work for companies as well as race for them. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, when I was 
coming up as a racer and uh at that time mark pavitas and brian kinwell worked at associated and you know they would clock in at the factory and they would work uh as long as you know they needed to work but um and then when things kind of changed in the business and um it was uh you know at the time team losi and trinity when they came in and uh, essentially started paying kinwald as a driver only that's when everything changed um i wouldn't be surprised if maybe joel johnson and um maybe masami masami worked for yokomo maybe uh but joel johnson i wouldn't be surprised if he was a paid racer in those days but when team losi and and trinity made that decision to pay kinwald just to drive that changed the, the whole industry and you know i was kind of in the middle of all that uh, associated had to kind of um change how they were doing things they had to get contracts with their racers that's where it all started um anybody that receives a contract now for racing comes down to um at that time when associated um had to make sure that their drivers were under contract because when when Team Losi and Trinity got Kinwald. Kinwald didn't have a contract with Associated. Um, neither did like the Mark Pavitas's or me or any of these people. You could just, if you wanted to run, if you're an Associated guy and you're a Team Losi and you wanted to switch tomorrow, you could switch tomorrow. Um, sure, there's guys that still do that today, but <laughs> but back then it was like, you know, you you could, you know, there was nothing really holding you to that other than your word of mouth or handshake or whatever you want to call it. Um, but when the, the Kinwall thing happened and uh, that changed the whole racer industry and then they started to have contracts. I know, you know, Pavitas had to have a contract. I had one, Scott Hughes, Richard Saxton, uh, Billy Easton, uh, Jimmy Jacobson. I think that was the original crew had associated that got race contracts i'm sure they had a couple on road guys too but um because when they lost kinwald and that whole thing uh it was also a big situation because kinwald had just won the worlds they were coming out with a car that has picture on the box they had a motor that had his paint job on it and his name and it was like overnight he was like on trinity and losi and they had all these products tied to kinwald right and wow, I did not was, realize all that. Yeah, so it was like overnight, you know, we show up at the track and Kinwalls are in a low C in Trinity, and everyone's just like, "What the heck happened?" <laughs> Associates <laughs> trying to sell a, you know, Associates trying to sell a kit with his paint job on the box and a 3D motor with his paint job on it, and all of a sudden, you know, he was. So yeah, that's what changed everything. And so from that time on, things have been different, and I guess what I'm trying to say is. There was a time when it wasn't like this, and at some point, maybe there will be a change um, where maybe the driver... Like you said, I think it comes down to as long as it's making a difference and uh, the drivers, uh, the racing is popular, people are getting into racing and results matter, then there will be paid drivers. Um, Like you said, if... If it's if it doesn't and it goes the other direction, maybe like it was 
back in the old days where it was more bashing, fun, uh, different type of atmosphere, maybe it would go away a little bit. So, like you said, that all comes down to uh, what's hot in the business, what's selling, and we're kind of in the middle of that right now. Um, it doesn't mean that there isn't these guys, but uh, you know we're, we're kind of in that middle ground right now. So I think that's where the hesitation is with some of these signings. Yeah, I would agree. I would definitely agree. We got uh, Kyle Gannon's asking, why do they always see 10 McDonald's drink cups in your pits? <laughs> okay. So the story behind that, that's true. He's not exaggerating. So I don't – years ago, I, all I drank was like Pepsi, Coke, Sprite, that kind of thing. So then I decided I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to drink sweet tea. Well, little did I realize that sweet tea has just as much sugar in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I transferred to unsweet tea somewhere along the lines, and somehow it became a terrible addiction. So now I just drink gallon upon gallon and gallon and gallon of unsweet tea. <laughs> okay. So that's so now, for the so now you have a caffeine addiction. Uh, yes, I would say so. Yes. <laughs> have you tried seltzer? Uh, yeah, actually. Um, what was the name of that stuff? It, the problem with it is it like it makes you burp all the time. Oh, okay. And so I just I wasn't having it. Okay. Because I I got off um, soda and switched to seltzer and it's been really awesome. I think uh, Adam Rails here has a good. He's kind of going down a different road. He he thinks this is a great topic. He said he believes. Um, I also believe it has a great deal to do with the future of the hobby there has to be a line where companies get their products in the hands of guys to help promote and provide support and not totally oversaturating it like he he's kind of seeing now um and i think that's a little bit happening at the moment um i know for us this year uh we're we're taking a slightly different approach we've um you know with our some of our team and everything and we've just had to make changes to uh, compensate for the um basically everybody in this industry lost one of their biggest customers which was hobbyco um great plains hobbyco uh when they went out of business uh hobbyco owed people money that were not paid um, and there was a list floating around. We talked about it before. And um, and so people had to make changes because they were owed money and they lost one of their biggest customers. So that's why people are making changes here, because you're trying to regroup. You're trying to find out where, um, as Horizon and these other people are kind of some of the only distributors in town. You're trying to find. You're trying to feel for. All right, now what's this? What's it going to be like without Hobbyco? And what's Horizon going to do? And so there's a lot of apprehension to what's what's going to happen. And I think that's where you're seeing people being a little more careful. You know, the associateds, and um, you know that's what we're doing. We have um, 
you know, when you look down, you're looking at your team and what you got to do. And, um, um, you know, there's some guys that we lost this year, uh, you know, because of either budget stuff with 100% drivers or um, people getting, you know, getting offered a better deal. Like, um, you know, for one today was Cole Ogden. You know, he signed with Hot Race Tires in Italy. Uh, Cole has been our guy for three, three or four years now. Um, but they offered him money to race. And he couldn't, you know, he couldn't turn it down. And I don't, not that I blame him. You know, he's he's trying to be a pro RC racer, so he needs the money. Sure. So, um, you know, I talked to him quite a while about it. I understand. But that's, you know, that's why we're losing him. You know, it's a somebody offered him money to race, and he couldn't, he wasn't in a position to turn it down. Um, so I think Adam is a little... Uh, you know, some of the things he's saying here, um, you know, makes a lot of sense. Well, I think like, obviously I did my, my fake sponsorship thing Mm -hmm. and the, the whole, I guess the whole point behind it was it, it was built a little out of frustration on my end because on a local level, I think I'm not saying sponsorship is all bad and it needs to all go away. Da 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 da. I see a lot of racers coming in, especially kids that get these sponsorships and then they put expectations on themselves of their Jared Tebow, their Ryan Cavalieri, their and they burn themselves out and then they disappear. Or it ruin it sucks the fun out of it for them and then they disappear. On the flip side of it, I also see one of the the manufacturers that did fake sponsor me that I was you know spoke to with. With, for the record, I'm not going to disclose those people's names. I've been in contact with all of them. There's people on social media. There's still people on see whatever, that say, no, you didn't do this. You made this up. That's fine. You can believe whatever you want to believe. <laughs> I've, spoke to all the, I've spoke to all the people that have sponsored, fake sponsored me. And if they want to disclose that, they're more than welcome to. But I'm not here to get anybody in trouble or put somebody down or hurt the industry more than it needs to be hurt. So that's not the point of it. But anyway. I also was speaking to one of those manufacturers and they said, you know, here's the position that we're in. So we've got, you know, a a dad and his, his three kids that race and they're all using our products and they're not sponsored, but they were friends, you know, of of one of the guys that is an employee there. And they said, Hey, can we get sponsored by you? You know, they sent in a resume we said, no, you're not quite ready to be sponsored and all that. Well, then the next week when he goes to the track, they're sponsored by another company. So now it's like, from their point of view, in order to to keep these customers and that kind of thing, if they don't sponsor just about anybody, somebody else is going to. So it's kind of a never-ending, a never-ending cycle. And it goes back to what you were talking about earlier with some of the other companies trying to make a name for themselves. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, sponsorship is a great way to do that because you're you're locking in. Essentially, you're locking in a loyal representative and customer to help build your brand, um, you know, locally and regionally and, and that kind of thing. So I'm not saying that sponsorship is all bad, and I'm not saying it should all go away. But I think the point behind it was to just kind of show, as you were talking about, how much the industry has changed and the whole 
direction of things. And the other thing that I mentioned in the, the article was that it does take away from hobby shop sales. And a lot of people assumed that I was talking strictly about brick and mortar local shops, but that's not necessarily all I was talking about because speaking with some of the online stores that don't even have a, you know, a track or whatever, they've suffered too in the sense of, um, you know, they lose sales as well. So it's kind of a, kind of a big circle that there's no right or wrong answer. And there's a lot of goods and bads to it. Um, and I don't, I don't know where, where it's going to go, but I think as racers, it's our responsibility to really sit back and say, you know, am I ready to be sponsored? Am I really worthy of, you know, being sponsored? When I say that, I don't mean you have to go out and win a million races and that kind of thing, but am I willing to put in the, the work that they're expecting of me, you know? And the other thing I think racers have to look at is, is that going to take the fun out of this for me? And is, am I going to quit RC in a year because, well, I'm not finishing where I think my sponsors want me to finish. And I think that's, that's the biggest part of it. Mm-hmm. And I see, well, you got, you really got me going now here. I, I have, we're, getting, we're all getting warmed up. We're all getting warmed up. Yeah. I have multiple, uh, close friends and local racers that I have seen, they come to the track and all they are concerned about is, Hey, I got sponsored. I got sponsored this year. I got sponsored. And that's great. But I think I just, I want more people to realize RC is not just about getting sponsored. Like it's almost, they're forgetting all about RC that it doesn't even matter to them. All that matters is that they, Hello? Hello. Uh, the, my Skype was calling me again, so I picked it up. You're still there, Hello. right? Yeah, you there? Yeah. I have no idea what happened there. Mike there? Yeah, I'm here. Where were we? <laughs> um, yeah, I was just. we were just going on about how, you know, people want to do these group photos, and I, I, I understand it, but I'm a little against it because I want to – I think we should promote – the name, the brand, and the enjoyment that she had to get somebody else into it. Not so much that, hey, look at me, part of this group. Why don't you, you need to be a part of this group, right? Um, that, that is exactly, I, that, I could not think of the words to explain. That is exactly the point. It's no longer about RC, racing RC cars and it's like being back in high school and it's like, oh, those are the cool kids. I want to be part of the cool kids group. Right. So I, I think just spreading the love of that you like RC, that, you know, the whole positive RC movement thing that's on um, Facebook, I think that's a big thing is, uh, you know, recognizing why you like it and uh, sharing it with other people that they should get involved. And I think that's, that's the important thing. And then if you are sponsored, you need to talk about the brand and not about yourself. Um, right. So many people are turning this stuff into about themselves. And it's like, and this isn't just RC. It could be anything. People just, they want it to be about themselves. And I understand it. 
Sure, I, I you know I don't I like when you know it's about me too or whoever, but the reality is is it's not really about you. It's about unless you're doing it all on your own dime, right? Um, if somebody else is helping you do these things, then it, that that's a big contribution, and um, so. I have something that I wrote about this whole thing that I will share with you guys. But anyway, um, oh, we were we were looking at questions. We we were just talking about Adam Rails. Um, uh, we got Tim asking what were some some of your best uh, fake names that you could come up with for people. <laughs> we got he said Speedy McFasterson was one that he likes. <laughs> The, the funniest part about that question is no one will ever know how long I sat pondering all these different names. And then the more I thought about it, no, no, that doesn't sound good. No, that doesn't sound good. No, he doesn't sound fast. I need a fast sounding name. What's a fast name? You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm amazed there's people like, um, I think he's from your region, as a David Fast. That's his actual yeah. name, right? Yes. And then there, is, yep. there used to be a guy out in California. I think his last name was Racer. <laughs> his real last name was Racer. Uh, there's some good ones, man. Like, you think they're made up. Uh, but I think they're real. Uh, so, uh, Josair, um, he says he's wanting to know your thoughts on the 10th scale Truggy fad. How long will it last? Because he just got one. <laughs> so, my thoughts on the 10 scale Truggy. Okay, quick backstory here. I have been that guy that everybody says, hey, this winter, let's race touring cars. So I go buy a touring car and then nobody else does. <laughs> right. Or, hey, let's race 12 scale or F1 or whatever. And so I have decided I am not going to buy one until I'm certain that everyone that is at our local track is going to at least race it, you know, once a week or so. Yeah. And it's getting there. But um, I feel like it's going to do a lot like eight scale tricky. I don't think this is going to be necessarily a fad that just comes and goes overnight. Kind of like a, can't think of one off the top of my head, but I think it's going to be like, like eight scale tricky. I think it's going to get pretty big in the sense that stadium truck, two-wheel-drive stadium truck, is no secret it's falling off. I mean, there's some areas it's coming back and that kind of thing, but for the most part, it's falling off. So is short course. So I think this is kind of the mixture between the two. Um, I think they're a little easier to drive than, you know, a two-wheel-drive stadium truck, but yet they still have the kind of the truck feel to them. Um, so I think it's kind of a blend of the two. So I think it'll be really hot and heavy for a couple of years. And then I think we'll see it kind of like Truggy and, you know, maybe some of the big races has a decent turnout and that kind of thing, but locally, yeah, it kind of depends on what you're at. Yeah. I don't think it will ever catch up to, I mean, I don't think it'll ever be a buggy class. I don't think it'll ever be like two-wheel drive buggy and four-wheel drive buggy. That's tough, man, because those are just, those are just pretty set in stone. Like if those two don't exist, then basically racing doesn't exist. Those two classes, those two classes are racing, and the other ones are kind of novelties. Um, so it just depends on which end of it that you're on. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think that's. I think you're. I think you're on with that one. And uh, I'd like to see it do okay. We're going to offer it on our uh, series events this year and just see how it goes. I don't want to dismiss it. Um, I'll try it. And I, I'm totally, you know, I'm there. If it works, I'm into it. Um, if it doesn't, hey, we tried. Well, I think a, a lot is said by – we're hosting our own race every year. We host a race called the off-road jam and we're hosting it this weekend. And we offered all the normal classes except for four wheel drive short course. We did not have that. And we did not have truggy, 10 scale truggy. So we got requests to add both classes. And I said, if it was six or more, we'll run them. Well, four wheel drive short course kind of struggled in there. Truggy, as soon as we listed on RC sign up, we've already got, you know, 10, 12 of them jumping in there. I go, look, we have one mod stadium truck signed up and 12, 13.5 stadium trucks, no mod two of our short course. So to me, that's a sign of, okay, stadium truck and short course is kind of dying out. And this truggy thing may be the new thing that kind of takes its place for a while. So I definitely think it's going to grow. And I think um, I would suspect with all the different conversion kits that are coming out there, I mean, this is how a lot of, you know, the newer classes kind of start out. I feel I like Associated and that kind of thing will jump in with their own trucking before long. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I just lost my pen, sir. So along these lines, the other day I wrote something um, of... I don't know which way we want to say it, but at first I named it the eight to hate <laughs> or avoid the crazy eight. I can't decide which 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 one. So to me, this is the cycle that I see sometimes that people kind of have to avoid this mindset. OK, number one, get into something because it's fun. Right. That's number one. Two. Then you then you get competitive. You buy a few things to get yourself going. That's number two. All right. Now, number three is the juices are flowing. The results really matter. That's number three. Now, mm-hmm. number four, extra money is spent. That's four. Number five, getting discouraged and the results aren't what you expected. This is where it starts to be like, oh, no. Now, number six, the last resort. The Hail Marys. It was just then number seven, sell off, regroup. <laughs> and then number eight is repeat repeat the process on a new class. So I, I think that's a pretty solid list. <laughs> so I can't decide is this the hate to the eight to hate or is this avoid the crazy eight? I can't decide. But I think this is a, a cycle that you see over and over again uh, with people that they have a hard time. Uh, they get so emotionally involved in this. And I think, and this is where it comes down to where you really have to kind of get your mindset built on the experience and, and the, the buddies that you have and a, a decent time that you can have racing versus just this, um, you know, you got blood in your eyes, right, for this. 
Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I think, uh, <laughs> yes. You should actually probably send me that list so that I can post that up so I can remember that as well on my roughest race days <laughs> okay. to, avoid, to avoid the eight. It's, it's hard, man. I see a lot of people do it, and they bounce from, you know, it's off-road to on-road to eight-scale to this to that. But and, and it's tough because what you're chasing is something – you're chasing this uh, – you're chasing the glory, and um, the glory might not be there, but it's okay <laughs> because there is sort of a – there is a, a – being active and having a uh, having fun and having a hobby is okay. Yep. So, which that is very hard to remember. It is. Is and, and I guess that's why I was thinking about it. I was like, you know. So, um, is Gotti still there? Gotti's just hanging out. Yeah, no, I'm back. I'm back. I'm trying to look at stuff here on the computer. You got the crazy eight. Uh, so, going back to the questions, we were we were doing pretty well. Yeah, we had a little hiccup, and um, I was just seeing where it left off at, but um, I think it did pretty good, so we're fine. Okay, all right, I'll pick up where we left off here. I think it was on uh, Joe asking about where the the little truggy class is going to fit in, and then we got. Uh, we got Andy asking Mike as a race announcer, how do you remember who's who's who out on the track by paint scheme alone? <laughs> I've never seen you call out a wrong name. <laughs> so uh, I don't I don't actually know like that. I think because uh, I've kind of always been interested in like the graphic design type of thing and you know painting bodies and doing the wraps and that kind of thing i i really pay attention to it's not hard for me to to focus on a paint job and be like oh i really like that one or no i don't like that one so i think that really helps me differentiate things but i will say at the uh nitro on-road worlds in florida they were going so fast and those cars the paint jobs from a distance on camera all look identical that I definitely called out multiple wrong names. <laughs> yeah, I was watching. Multiple yeah. times. <laughs> yeah, I remember you saying you had t- trouble finding the cars. Yes, and then a lot of those guys, especially in qualifying, don't want to ruin their paint job, so they all just run either a white car, a yellow car, or an orange car. And whatever, I feel like in the pits they were all like getting together and like, hey, where do you guys all want to run this time? And all everybody ran all the same colors so that nobody knew who anybody was, and it made it really hard. <laughs> round one this is an orange round round two is a white round round three is a yellow <laughs> round so he's asking me if I can bring some SCT ellipses and three and plus three wheels to St. Louis next weekend I don't know how I can bring them there next weekend we're not scheduled to be there for like a month but, um, <laughs> but yeah those tires don't exist yet <laughs> Not that they won't eventually, but they don't exist yet. He can get the plus three wheels though, and uh, he's saying that he should that we should also bring Gotti to all the INS races and do the Rip Cast live videos mm. the weekend. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, I mean I don't know who that would suck 
more for me or God. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think I want to do it just to see if he could do it. <laughs> like, all right, you're here. Now do it. Andy says you're going live all weekend. Oof. Good Lord. Yeah, I don't know. That, that requires me to leave the house. I really don't want to do that. Um, then we got Chris Trudeau, who always has good questions. And he's kind of... Uh, we, we, tip, we talked about this earlier. He's just saying that before the social social media age, when we found out in magazines that a driver switched teams, does you know, he's kind of comparing like we talked about Kinwall to Losi, uh, Mayfield to Losi, Tebow to Techno. You know, are any of those bigger shocks than than others? Uh, as far as my era goes, I'm gonna say that yeah, still this. This year as a whole has been bigger than any, but I would say probably the biggest shock for me this year um, would probably be either Cavalry to S-Works for 8-Scale. It does not surprise me at all for Yokomo. That like that seems like a good fit. Um, and then probably the other one would be Tebow to Techno, just because he's not made any major changes for so long. And Techno is definitely a successful brand, and they're making their way up the ranks, but... I think that's huge for both of them. It shows a lot that Jared has the confidence in Techno, and I think it shows a lot how Techno has grown to be able to sign on, you know, a multi-time world champion. So um, I think both of those would probably be the biggest surprises, and they're probably the biggest that I've seen in a very, very long time. Yeah, I agree. Um, and Brandon Strout, is that how you say his name? Sounds good. Just super complimentary to Mike, super inspiration. He's uh, just can't thank you guys enough for helping him RC racing, uh, being a great influence over him, and uh, you just being so uh, inspirational uh, on and off the track. Well, that was really nice. Maybe my wife should hear that. I, <laughs> I, I hear you. To remind her, I'm not that bad of a guy. I do things right once in a while. She just said they don't know the right you. <laughs> Fairly. <laughs> no, I think that's. Uh, I think that's part of what makes uh, RC and not just RC, but any form of racing fun is it's you know it's a big family, it's a big community, so it's it's cool to help people out and you see, um, not necessarily like on a really deep level, but you can inspire somebody to to do something it makes you feel good it makes them feel good um you know and even if it's like hey you want some help changing that diff let me show you how to do that and then it inspires them you know they're they're doing more maintenance on their car and that's just cool to see so i enjoy doing that kind of thing and it's cool to be uh it's cool to see comments like that he has he has a lot of he has a lot of good stories too um and we'll, we'll we will share one i guess uh, we'll let mike fill in the blanks um we're just gonna say that you ordered jimmy john's and an attractive lady delivered it. Uh-oh. And we'll let Mike fill in the rest. I don't, I don't think he can. <laughs> well, uh, actually, this sounds. I'm going to say which which time was this that we're talking about? Because there's multiple Jimmy John stories. I can think of a lot of Jimmy John stories, a lot of Pizza Hut stories that probably fall along the same lines. Hmm. So what he's saying? <laughs> so he says. Uh, Jimmy John's, 
and a, uh, a rather attractive lady delivers. So it's a club night, he says, maximum four hours. Mike is ready to make his move, so he places a second order. Second time, a rather large male makes the delivery. Now Mike <laughs> is a taken man, and he and Brittany's antics are hilarious. From Brittany I do sw- sweeping dirt I do landscaping to Mike mowing an RC track is pure entertainment. <laughs> I love it. I do recall that now. Yes. That was one of my, my feeble attempts at the RC track. Hmm. To, so, I, I ordered once. And, of course, being me and being an RC racer, I wasn't brave enough to say anything other than, you know, like, keep the change. So I wasn't hungry, so I ordered another one. And then that didn't work out for me. <laughs> and now I have Brittany, and she's just so lucky to have me. She's just looking at me like she's rolling her eyes right now. <laughs> And uh, we got, you know, and Javier always comes in with great questions. And, you know, we answered his question basically the from all the silly season, what was the biggest surprise? And you kind of went in and you, you elaborated on that. Lots of big surprises. I, I think, uh, and then we'll, we'll do Kyle and then we'll kind of have a, a, what were we calling earlier? Hits and misses, winners and losers of silly season. That's what I think we'll, we'll go into. Out, yep. With the most recent Monday poll pertaining to banning of tire sauce, is this something that could be a reality in the future? Would this change the tire compounds on the manufacturer side as to try and achieve max potential without such additives? So I think Mike was a part of that article on Live RC. And um, what do you think, Mike? Um, well, first, I just, I just had to be completely honest on this. That was inspired by, I don't remember his name, but I got, we got a message on, from a viewer of LiveRC that said, this was after my sponsorship article and something else. He said, when are you going to write something that someone actually cares about and actually means anything in the RC world? Ooh, good Lord. <laughs> I said, okay, hey, sure, yeah, I'm, uh, what do you got? What about tire sauces? So I said, okay, let's talk about tire sauces. <laughs> so that's where that came from. <laughs> wow. So kudos to him. Yeah. I'm always open to viewer ideas. You know, some people have some good ideas. So bring it on. Well, they say that about the uh, podcast. They, they always say to me, when are you going to record something that's worth listening to? So, <laughs> so, yeah. so that's, that's where the, the whole poll came from. Yeah. You just uh, got to move forward. That's all. Yes. So that's that was the meaning behind it. But um, I think... See, I'm very torn on the whole tire sauce thing because I understand that there are potential health risks behind it. Obviously, I have most racers have suffered from the headaches, the clogged noses, that kind of thing, being in the indoor race. But as a racer who wants to have their car feel and achieve the very best, I also don't want to see tire sauce go away in that sense because. In, in the right conditions, it can help if you're using the right tire sauce and if you're doing it the right way. But there are some conditions that it's all in your head. So, I mean, to me, honestly, uh, if it goes away, cool. I'm probably healthier that way. If it doesn't go away, cool. My car's probably going to work better. I'm totally in favor of not having tire sauce. Um, I, I think it's horrible. I don't think we need it at all. Uh, I think we could make it work without it, for sure. I know we have before, we have in the past, um, but it's not something new either. I mean, we've been using tire sauce 
um, at one point or another since 1994. So it's definitely not a new thing. Um, and I think we could, it would be very nice to um, simplify how we prep and get ready with tires to run a race. But the problem always comes in is policing it and uh, trying to set some of that stuff, uh, setting it straight for any kind of a race. And you're always going to have people that are willing to take things to another level. And those are the people that kind of ruin it for everybody. <laughs> and um, I'll use the Testmans as an example here. Um, they, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, um, uh, they're amazing racers. Um, obviously, uh, one of the best in the business. But, you know, a, a year or two ago, they started um, experimenting with a different compound. Um, and then they realized that it was better. Um, you know, the saucing wasn't new, but they they recognized that it was better when it was heated. And um, so they added not only uh, another compound to the equation when we're running some of these races, but then they added an additional step to the preparation that was required in order to be as fast as them. And it ruined it for everybody else. And because then we found ourselves at Mimi's, you know, we were at uh, the Nationals at Mimi's a couple years ago. And um, it was like, you know, the, the tire prep was so out of control to go run a race, uh, a qualifier. And, you know, between heating the tires and burning them in and uh, prep and tire sauce and all this kind of stuff, it was a huge deal. And it was just. Um, and it was because everybody was was trying to keep pace with them. They went. They were willing to go to the extra. They're kind of the Kenwald of 2018, you know, 2019. Kenwald in his day would do anything. It didn't matter how long it took or how much effort it was. He was going to do it if it was better. And sure, that is a great mentality. But when it affects the whole business, it's not good. And um, it was great when we all, you know, it's like, all right, it's a clay compound track. We'll run clay compound. We got our gold. They got, you know, whatever MC or whatever they call it. AKs are called clays or whatever. Uh, we're running that. But then we enter another compound into the picture when the track matures. Then we have to do additional prep work, uh, sauce, heating, burning it in, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that really took things to another step on these indoor races that guys really just don't like doing. And I think if we could eliminate these things somehow, it would really help. But policing it is just so difficult in anything besides you mounting your tires in tech and tech keeping your tires the entire event, unless you're on the track, that's the only way you can do it uh, fairly, and that requires a lot of manpower. You know, the track or the organization has to have – you probably have to have three or four people just doing tire um, ins and outs, 
uh, putting them on the cars, taking them off, keeping them in tech. That's a big deal. And that's just for a large race. I mean, you can't do that, you know, for a club race and these type of things. And, and it's kind of unfortunate. And I think that's the reason why carpet racing has become more popular because you don't have to do any of those things in carpet. On carpet, you, you're running these hard pin tires. Um, saucing is not an advantage. You basically, if somebody starts saucing, you'd laugh at them and you just don't want them to be around because that's the reason you stop. Part of the reason why you don't want to race dirt. <laughs> and um, so I, I would say that that's the only way to control that is by changing the surfaces because trying to control it from a tech standpoint is um, a huge undertaking, something that just people aren't staffed to do. Well, I know firsthand from the J Concepts winter invite at Fastlane, when the invite class was gluing their tires, I was put in charge of policing them and keeping an eye on them. And after sitting there watching people glue tires for three hours, I was like, <laughs> it's fine. Just go ahead and cheat. It's fine. You guys can you get sauce. You can do whatever you want. So finally, JR came over and he relieved me. But, uh, yeah, policing it, it would definitely be extremely, extremely hard. And it would take a very, uh, a very willing person to be the police officer of tires. Mm-hmm. I'm, I remember we were doing the Neo buggy race the last time we went, and uh, I missed, I missed, you know, I didn't like the race when it was in existence, but the last time I was there, I really enjoyed it, and um, I kind of missed that, the the vibe that was there, but. Uh, you know, Phil hired a, a tire, the tire police to walk around and see if people were saucing in the pits. And and uh, I, I remember Mayfield was like so funny about it because he, the, the tire sauce police would come by his pit and pick up his tires and start smelling them. And, and Ryan's were like, hey, yeah, they, they smell good. No problem. Guy's like, yeah. And uh, he'd say, man, you better go over and smell ties. I think he's been saucing. <laughs> so the guy would walk, you know, he would walk over and start picking up Ty's tires to smell them. And then Ty would look right at Mayfield and he'd just start laughing. <laughs> and he'd say, you know, and so they, it just became like a joke. Like they, you know, um, with the tire police is, is, you know, that Mayfield would go over to him and say like, hey, pretend like I'm giving you some money, you know. <laughs> but he was just he was to him it was just a joke like it was just fun and uh, you know and it would be you know he'd have a little joke with Ty or with David Ronafalk or something and he'd see the guy go over and he's like yeah I sent him over there you know he would just straight up tell Ty and Gord Gord would come over and say can you believe that guy came over he thinks we're cheating and Mayfield say yeah because I told him you were. <laughs> And then they'd find that even funnier. So, yeah, that the the tire business, it's not fun. I know they, I know the testaments don't like it either. I mean, when you talk to them, they don't like it. But they're, as long as it's legal, they're not going to uh, sit back and not do something if they think it's better. They're going to do it because they want to win, and uh, and that's part of why they're so fast and so good. Um, but I know it, it has ruined a lot of fun for some people doing the extra the extra steps but but so 
that's Kyle's question. So anyway, uh, winners and losers of Silly Season, we'll let Mike kind of give his breakdown on the winners and losers. Uh, I'll give some of mine. Uh, are we referring to companies? Yeah, I think so. Um, we'll go from yeah, we'll go from it for their end. Actually, it would probably be nice to say both both ends. But, okay. Uh, okay. However you like. I'm gonna say, from a company standpoint, I think the winning companies this silly season would definitely be um, Techno, S Works, and Yokomo. I think would be the the three that stand out the most to me. Um, I think the winning driver from Silly Season. That's a t- I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Tebow just for the sense of I've gotten the vibe that he is is obviously he's getting closer to the end of his career and I think he was getting very burnout and frustrated and that kind of thing. And I think more than any of the other drivers, I think his new deal and his new ride has kind of rejuvenated the fun and brought him, you know, kind of back to where he's excited to go racing again, where I think before without, I mean, that would be, he basically had the same program for how many ever years it was, 10 years or something. So I think he probably won in the sense that it rejuvenated his racing the most. So that would be that'd be my picks. Okay. And uh, I guess, and then from a racing standpoint, uh, or from a racer standpoint, you think that Jared was uh, a, not only techno benefited, but you think Jared also benefited from it as well, right? Yeah, and, and I think not necessarily saying you know that that techno is better than Kyosho. I think just the kind of the fresh start for him was a bigger benefit than, than anything for him. And I think as far as losing from a racer standpoint, um, to be honest, I have to say that I think that Ryan Cavallari has a lot of work ahead of him, mm-hmm. uh, for the S works. So I'm going to, I'm going to call that a lose. Um, I, people have asked me about my thoughts on Lutz going to Agama, but he, has he's always been kind of in with the ground level in America with companies like Tamiya, uh, Techno, and now like Agama. So I don't think that's necessarily like I don't think that's going to hurt him because he's kind of he's good at that kind of thing at starting with a brand that isn't really well known mm-hmm. and kind of being the person that builds it, um, and not just from a popularity standpoint, but from a you know a development level too. Um, so I don't think that's necessarily uh, a win or a lose for him. I think that's kind of what he's used to. I think it's probably very big. I think it, that would be a win for Agama for sure, because uh, I don't think in the United States they really have any major drivers that I could think of. Yeah. What do you, I mean, what do you feel is the reason why Lutz isn't still with Techno? I mean, I, I saw him post that it wasn't his choice, um, and that actually kind of surprised me. So, um, yeah, I was surprised I, by that. I don't, although, I mean, do, I, I run for Techno. I'm friends with all the Techno guys. I'm friends with 
you know, all that kind of thing. But I'm not included on the insiders, inside scoop on that kind of thing, because technically everybody still looks at me as that's the media guy. So they they leave me out of the loop. So I don't know anything for sure, but I feel like just from watching, um, you know, some of the recent events and stuff like that, I think there was a lot of, Maybe not a lot of it. There was some frustration from, you know, Ryan, maybe with the with the cars, and he didn't feel like the cars were were living up to what he thought they should, and the development maybe wasn't there. And then I think it was also, you know, reverse roles, because you had guys on the team like Joe Bornhorst that they were going out and they were, you know, beating Ryan, and that's not really what he was supposed to be doing. So from Techno's point of view, I feel like maybe it was like, well, you're complaining about this, but you got you know, Joe is beating you with the same stuff you have, you know, that kind of thing. So I wonder if it was some of that. And I'm sure, like we talked about, um, you know, money is a, a big thing too. And if you are techno trying to make room for Jared, I mean, is, does that play a part into it? I mean, I know techno has grown, but could they afford, um, you know, Tebow and what? So you got to wonder if that's, that's part of it. Um, yeah, I don't, I, that, when I saw that as well, I thought that was interesting because I kind of assumed that it was his decision to, you know, take a new route and maybe get, come up with a better opportunity, but that's not necessarily the way, you know, it, it came across when, when he posted that. Yeah, I would have to agree. <clears throat> Let's see. So my, so we got our winners and losers. Um, like you said, <clears throat> the obvious ones, you know, if you're a company searching for the good guys, I think the the real flashy moves, like you said, were with Yokomo and S-Works getting the Cavalry, um, a guy on that level, uh, to race uh, your vehicle. That's a, that's a, that's a win for them. Um, and I think essentially flipping Lutz for Tebow um, is interesting because that, that's kind of what it comes down to. <clears throat> Did they end up better off with Tebow than Lutz? I think Lutz was really very responsible for a lot of their growth with Techno. And I think Absolutely. it's in- interesting that it apparently wasn't good enough in the end uh, to keep it together. <clears throat> and maybe just sort of the idea that Jared is definitely a more accomplished racer from a results standpoint than Lutz is. And I think maybe the curiosity of, you know, what could this guy do with it? Um, it is too much sometimes. You have to try it. Um, but I think Lutz was definitely a big part of them growing because um, he does such a good job with people. People really like him. And they're, they followed him around, and they followed his brand, and that brand. And I don't see it having the same impact with Agama. I think – I just don't – I'm sure he's selling that idea to them that he could have that same uh, impact with them. But I don't really see that happening. I think that there was a little bit of a perfect storm with Techno coming around, Lutz getting on board, and then him helping them 
in a way that maybe he only could at that time. But I don't know if that window is the same right now. And I don't know if they're going to have the same impact. I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like it's not going to have as big of an impact. So I like the, you know, for from manufacturers, nice to get Cavalry. It was nice for Techno to get Tebow. Um, and I think those were all great. But I think some of the most interesting stuff was that Associated... I like what Associated did from the standpoint of they were in a difficult position. They had Spencer, Dustin, Cavalieri. They had the current world champion in Ungaro um, and other people that I'm leaving out, such as um, Alex Kay and, and um, Cole Tollard and uh, the Champlins who were coming on strong. Uh, lots of upcoming racers. And I like the fact that they were able to keep Spencer, albeit just for Associated. They were able to... They have Dustin still. They were able to retain Ungaro, who's the current world champion. And they also have these upcoming drivers like the Coles, like Alex K. And the other guys, I like that for them. I think that it is a big blow not to have Cavalieri, and he's probably your most accomplished racer. But if you have to make a move, I think it worked out pretty well for them. And um, and they did it without spending as much money. So I think that was that was pretty wise, and I think they will be okay because of that um so i like that from their perspective and um yeah the lutz yeah. gama not really a big fan and i don't i'm not really all fired up about it. i think you'll do okay but i don't think it's going to have the impact but what I, the other one i liked was i liked for kyosho i liked that they got cj jellin that's one we didn't talk about. You're right. Yeah. I really feel like if they had to give up Jared because, you know, he was ready to move on and maybe they were too, who knows, you know, getting CJ, a young kid may just made the main at the worlds. Um, obviously wasn't happy with the x-ray situation and he can jump into Kyosho and it's probably a much uh, it's much costing them much less than Jared, and the kid. You don't know what he can do. He might be able to be the next champion for him. Um, so I, I like that idea. They kind of had uh, Mason Epley. They kind of have a couple guys that really uh, were on my radar for sure, um, and were able to kind of scoop those guys up and, and kind of make something out of. Really, it's been really kind of bland for Kyosho the last couple of years between the car releases and this and that. But I think this is has a chance to be something if if a CJ uh, continues to mature the way he is, it might be a really, really good move for them. Well, you, talking about that, you pointed out 
something that I really hadn't thought of as well, but you're right with like associated stuff because whether it's two years or three years or four years, guys like Cavalieri, Mayfield, Tebow, they, their, their career has less years left in it than some of these up and coming racers that, um, you know, like you were talking about associated keeping on board. So, I guess I'd never thought of it, but that is that is some strategic thinking in that sense to get, to make sure that you keep guys like, you know, you were saying the Champlains and and some of those guys. Yeah, and I mean, and I think from a product standpoint, uh, you know, Spencer had no problems with the Reedy product and everything that he was running, but his racing is peaking to the point where he's getting um, big offers to run other companies and. Um, the fact that he did not want to leave Associated was good. You know, he's still with them. They weren't able to retain him for Reedy, but I think they're living with that because they still have him running the cars. And they realize, I think they think that most people are like, you know, um, it's better to have him running the cars than having him not run anything at all. Um, and they still have the Champlins and... Uh, Cole Tollard and Alex Kay and a host of other people running Reedy, that, and, uh, including Dustin, who probably had his best year ever last year running Associated Reedy. So they're still very solid there. And then all of a sudden you got this kid, Angaro, with an eight-scale car that's just unreal, and he just won the Worlds for you. So you're able to retain your current eight-scale world champion, your last 10th scale world champion was Spencer. So you have both of your guys and you have some up and comers plus Dustin is your wily veteran, right? Um, yeah. You're pretty solid. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I like that. I like them as a winner, to be honest. Um, I like the big names for Yokomo and S works, but and that's good for them. But I still like the, um, the position associated is in, I think it's it's good. And um, I think TLR, they didn't win anything in the offseason. Uh, they got some great regional guys that I really like, like Tom and Michael Twilling. And, but um, the, the big names aren't following them in, and I think that's a concern for them. Yeah, I would agree. So, anyway. Any uh, any more questions? You'd rip through them all? Rip through it. <laughs> yeah, he did a pretty good job with that. I, I, yeah. I think that was everything. Well, we had one question that Vince Jaron asked Mike. His most memorable race calls, Moto, Endo, or RC. Uh, and then... He also thinks that it'd be cool to have a moment with Mike on a regular basis on the Ripcast. Hmm. He hasn't so, listened to this episode yet. After he listens to this, he's going to change his mind. It's like, <laughs> man. So your most memorable race calls in Moto or RC? Oh, I would say most memorable race calls for motocross would have to be either the Monster Energy Cup or the Hangtown Outdoor National. Okay. Uh, for RC, man, um, there's been, I've done a, a lot more um, 
what I would consider significant RC than I have motocross. Um, believe it or not, I maybe because it's one of the freshest in my mind, but I really, really had a great time doing the on-road nitro on-road worlds. And okay. I have never been to a 200 millimeter nitro on-road race in my life. So going there and I think working with Tyler hooks, I think that was a lot of fun. Um, the other one that I would say was probably the 10 scale Ronats in Omaha, just because that was kind of a whole nother, that wasn't a live RC broadcast. I was, you know, announcing for Roar at the event. And that was the first time that I had done a Roar National. And being behind the scenes, as a racer, it's quick to, you know, you're quick to point out the shortcomings of Roar and that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes. So calling the races were good. But I think just being able to be kind of a part of the whole race program may open my eyes a little bit to like, okay, yeah, they screw up here and there. And yeah, I don't agree with this, don't agree with that. But at the same time, I definitely see they've got a lot going on and kind of where they're coming from on some stuff too. So that's probably one of my most memorable ones as well. Okay. Why was uh, What was uh, special about those motocross races, the, the two that you mentioned? Um, I think just for the fact that, well, the Monster Cup, because <clears throat> I think just because it was the Monster Cup, the Monster Energy Cup. Yeah. So, like, I've never, I never imagined that I would ever be saying when I'm announcing a race like Ken Roxon, Eli Tomac, and that kind of thing. Like, that's where that's where you want to be. That you know, that's like I've always dreamed of doing that. That would be so cool. But I never thought <laughs> that I'd actually be saying the names. So I was like, kind of like starstruck at that one. And then the Hangtown Outdoor National was a lot of the same. But at that one, we were able to venture around the pits more and oh, wow. kind of, you know, mingle with those guys and get to know them and that kind of thing. Um, and I guess, you know, another one that I can't count out either is doing the Ricky Carmichael Amateur Supercross at Daytona. Um, that was really cool getting to hang out with, although it wasn't a, the pro side of the Supercross, it was the amateur side. I still got to meet and hang out with some of the announcers that I really look up to, such as Carmichael, um, Jason Wygant, some of those guys. So um, it was cool to meet those guys and be able to work alongside of them and kind of be kind of be in that group in the booth, you know, and, and so that was that was pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I think it would be like if Gotti was able to do like a big wrestling match. That is exactly what it is. Here comes Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, this is fun. The Silly Season Talk. There you have it. Garrison, Rona, breaking it down. That was good. I feel these guys can go to any team and be successful. They can, these guys... this year, Gotti? What's that? I said, do you have any new sponsors this year that you'd like to thank? Or <laughs> yeah. announce for Silly Season? Uh, Air Hogs. That's, I signed with Air Hogs. Did you guys know that? No, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's a, that's a win for you and them. That's a win-win. <laughs> exactly. <the> exactly. <laughs> Cavalier and those guys, they can go over to Air Hogs and make them successful. 
These guys can race any car, Jason. They can win with anything. I know, really. So what do, you know, what does this all matter? I don't know. I remember my buddy I had in racing, Jim Myers, with people, you know, he, he was in the early Trinity Tech Talk days, and, you know, <laughs> he would get upset at those days because people would go on there and say, you know, oh, well, he signed with him, but, you know, but he can win with anything. Yeah. You know, it was like if it was Joel Johnson or whoever it was at the time. Oh, well, he can win with anything. And then it was then the big one was, oh, he can drive a shoebox. And then he started saying, OK, we'll give Joel a shoebox. I'll drive my car and then I'll show you that it's not just you know he can drive anything. You know, he was, he was just I was breaking down like, OK, I'll give him a shoebox, you know, mm. and I'll show him what I can do. Yeah. Well, tech talk. Wow. All right, Garrison. Can I get the rip? Can I get the rip logo at boomrc.net if I want to decal my car up? Ah, so you want to hear something about that? Okay. So boomrc <laughs> is now only doing custom awards. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, didn't I say you should do that? Do what? Didn't I say that that that. Was I, I was thinking that that was the business you should have got into. Graphic design stickers? No, no, no. Uh, doing custom awards. Oh, yes. Okay, well, so basically with me working full-time at LiveRC now, and Brittany's got a full-time job as well outside of the graphic stuff, we just kind of made a niche doing just the custom awards. And so we're trying to kind of build on that as, you know, kind of the, the basis of it. So we don't do custom stickers anymore, which would be, that's why I like Joe Bornhorst and Jared and those guys are now with Stick It One because Stick It stepped up and was like, hey, we'll take care of your team drivers. Because um, I didn't want to leave. When all when I got the position at Live RC and when Brittany did her thing, I didn't want to leave like our customers with just nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> Brian has always been super cool with me. Um, so I called Brian and I was like, hey, you know, we got some sponsor drivers. Not to mention, we have you know just a customer base around here that they don't know where to go and that kind of thing. Can you you know help them out and take care of them that kind of thing? And um, so Brian did that, which was super cool of him. Um, so yeah, his stuff is um, yeah. I mean, I have obviously used it anytime we have a press release body to do. Uh, anytime we ask him, he delivers. So I definitely I was. I do the same. I recommend people go to the Stick It One. And, and now, apparently, if you need some custom awards, you go to Mike. That's right, boomrc.net. Now, our website's kind of janky right now, but we're working on it. So just bear with us. Hmm. I, I kind of had to strip it down, like, real quick so that it, like, the spot where you order your sponsor sheets and T-shirts and all that, that's not on there anymore. So it's kind of bland at the moment. But when I get a few minutes, I'll I'll spice it, spice it back up. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But Mike's that, multi-talented, huh? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. He can't do the Rip logo decal anymore. Right. He can only can concentrate on one thing. I can do it for you. If you want it on an award, he'll put it right on an award for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you want custom awards with the Rip logo, I'll be more than happy to do it. There you go. All Everybody right. is a winner with the Radio yeah. Impound podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just put that on there for me, Mike. Thanks. Yeah, I can do it. Appreciate it. No, I want to, you know, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. It's always fun. Always fun to chat. Um, 
she's sitting next to me, so I have to say thanks to my wife for letting me race our sea cars and support me. Of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be that guy. So I I want to give a shout out to the people uh, that support my personal racing as well, which obviously would be Techno, Jason, and uh, Allison J Contest, um, Keegan, Randy Pike, and all those guys. Um, and I'm actually running Trinity batteries this year, which I'm oh. pretty excited about. Wow. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of a new one. Uh, one up racing, Randy Castro, he's got some cool stuff. Uh, and of course, live RC, live RC, good old Brandon over at live RC. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that's my shout out and shout out to anybody listening to the show. I agree. Mike. Close the show out. This was episode 187 with Mike Garrison on the show. And now, did Mike confirm that he's willing to, because we had a question there that said that they want Mike on the show more often? I guess they want to kick me off and put Mike on, but that's fine. I am always willing. I could never live up to Gotti Jr., <laughs> but I, I will always join when there's an empty seat. Okay. And I'll bring my own chair, because I take my own chair everywhere. <laughs> Love it. That's great. <laughs> All right, close it out, Mike. All right, well, thank you all for listening to the uh, Radio Impound Podcast, and uh, until next time, uh, happy racing. <laughs>